Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Welcome in. What has happened in the last 20 hours since we last spoke to you? Well, a few things. There was NFL football, and the Ravens blew out the Cowboys. It was effortless. The Cowboys looked listless. I mean, just really, really sad. Troy Aikman at the end of the broadcast. There's so many things that need to be addressed in the offseason. Uh, Baltimore doesn't throw the ball well. I think they came into the game ranked 31st in passing. And if I'm wrong, then they came in ranked 30th. Uh, they're terrible at throwing the ball. So make them throw the ball. And they didn't make them throw the ball. Nope, they let Baltimore rush for 295 yards. And Lamar Jackson running right down the middle of the field in a straight line for a touchdown. That was laughable. That was sad. That was pathetic. That was horrific. Uh, We're not going to spend any more time on the Cowboys. Uh, Ravens throw themselves back in the race for the last uh, wild card at 7-5. It'll be a battle to get there. They'll have to finish strong. They've got to win at least three out of four. They might need to win all four to get in. Uh, In college football, Ohio State is number four. And the new rankings are out, but but Ohio State isn't going to play this weekend because Michigan has an outbreak. So the Michigan-Ohio State game is off for the first time in 103 years. And it's what Kirk Bursary was talking about. Although Kirk Winnett won't play, and this is more can't play, so that is a significant difference. It should be noted. Um, we'll just take Michigan to face value here that they got a lot of COVID tests and they can't go. So... Now the question is, does the Big Ten get Ohio State a game this weekend, or do they meet later today and change the rules and just let a team in with five five games when originally you had to have six? I think they changed the rules, and we talked about it three weeks ago. That's what we all agreed on, and I think that's what's going to happen, but we'll see how it plays out later today. BYU was down five spots. Coastal Carolina was up five spots. And USC was up five spots and is now the best, the highest-ranked, Pac-12 team, and they are sitting at number 15. And Colorado broke into the rankings, so the Utes will be playing number 21 Colorado. I don't know that it matters much being at number 21. BYU's at 18. Uh, Colorado's at 21, but I guess it's better not being ranked, and maybe Colorado can make some hay out of that, and it'll help them recruit or something. We'll have to see how that plays out. So there's that. And then there's the uh, Real Salt Lake note, Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber in his State of the Speech, a State of the League speech, a Zoom conference, really, in advance of the MLS Cup final on Saturday, took a question about RSL being sold and possibly being moved. And he said that uh, uh, that that's not in any plans whatsoever. And he expects RSL to stay in Utah. And there are negotiations going on ongoing that are uh, they're going quite well, according to Don Garber. So there you go. I would I personally would not be shocked. I can't. I can't report this, and I don't know this. And I have heard that there's more than one local buyer interested, but I won't be shocked at all if Ryan Smith ends up with it. Yes, the same Ryan Smith who just bought the Jazz. That will not shock me. I have been told he's met with Deloy. I was also told that meeting didn't go all that well. And I have also been told that he has toured the stadium. And I've also been told that the negotiations with the Jazz got going pretty serious back in June, and that is well before he had his September meeting with Deloitte when the team became apparent they'd be available. So while the rest of us are thinking, well, why would he want RSL now that he has the Jazz? I think he went into that meeting with RSL having a pretty good idea he's going to end up with the Jazz. So I think he's always been interested in owning two teams. But how it will play out, will there be another bidder, and what will the price be? There are still multiple ways this could go. But I think, uh, I think Ryan Smith has sincere interest in it and is doing his homework. 
And I have talked to people who know more about the business of pro sports than me, and they think there's an advantage to owning two teams. So, and there's you know about a dozen markets or so in North America where there is already somebody who owns two teams. Some of them are in the same building, and that's a revenue stream advantage that will not be available to him. But you know, in Chicago, the White Sox and the Bulls have both been owned by Jerry Reinsdorf for a long time. Their advantage is to owning two teams in a town. That's for sure. So we'll see how that plays out. But the commissioner, right into the camera, uh, he thinks the team is staying in Utah. All right. The Jazz are getting going Saturday. Can you believe that? The preseason starts Saturday. They have games Saturday and Monday at home with the Suns. Boyan Bogdanovich, will he be ready to go? How's the comeback from the wrist surgery? How's he feeling? What's he able to do now? How much soreness is there? Here's Boyan Bogdanovich with the media. Listen in. Hey, Boyan. Um, just give us an update on how your wrist is feeling and if you're expecting to be playing at the start of the season. Uh, I'm feeling very better. Actually, I'm I'm kind of surprised that I'm progressing on a on the right way. I mean, I'm doing playing five on five. It's still still on hundred percent. I can feel that soreness. I'm still waiting to, to to fall on the floor, pretty hard to to see how my hands gonna is gonna react. But overall, I'm I'm fine, and I'm I'm expecting to play on a, on a start of the season. All right. Next question, Kristen Kennedy, Jazz TV. Hey, Bogey, so without being a part of the bubble, um, you're getting to experience uh, now for the first time a lot of the things that have changed um, given COVID. Uh, what would you say is the biggest challenge that you're facing right now with all the new regulations and rules and trying to get back? I mean, a lot, a lot of rules, actually. As you know, I didn't. I was a part of the, on the bubble, so it's kind of we gotta work out with a with a mask and a, and the gym. We gotta get tested every every single morning. It's kind of kind of strange to work out with a with a mask, but we know how's the situation around the, around the world, around the U.S. So we gotta we gotta be responsible and and, and protect protect each other actually. All right, next question. Uh, ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Boyan, having uh, Derek back now and starting to get to work with him a little bit, how's that been? I mean, I think that he's going he's gonna to be great, great for us. His IQ, his IQ, basketball IQ is, is, is pretty high. He got a playoff experience, which is most, most important for us to, to have him on our team and and. and he gave us. He he gonna give us this depth to play either with the with the two bigs or, or or small or helping the the second unit. So so I'm happy that he's he's with us and I think that he's gonna be a big part of what we are doing. All right, uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, hey, Bogey, just wanted to know kind of how if if at all the training camp this year it kind of compares to training camp last year. But it's kind of kind of similar. Nothing, nothing changed. Obviously, we are working working pretty pretty hard, couple hours, couple hours per day. So from that standpoint, I don't I don't think that any anything changed. Instead of wearing masks and, and getting tested every single day. Next up, Tony Jones, the Athletic. Hey, Boyan, what have you seen out of the the, the two rookies in camp and? Uh, you know, what have they kind of shown and what are the, some of the things that they're going to have to adjust to as, as time moves forward? I think that both of them are kind of ready to, to step in and, and, and play, play some, play some minute. I mean, the, the big guys, it's pretty, pretty athletic. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised 
I'm surprised that he's he's that good and he was he was drafted late late first round. So he's really go hard against against Rudy. Like I said, I think really that they can help us. All right. Next, we'll have Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Bogey, good to see you. Um, you addressed this a little bit with Andy's question, but I was just wondering how the lack of um, OTAs this year have, have kind of changed things. The fact that you guys weren't able to kind of all get together ahead of training camp to work out this year, did that have an impact on how things have gone to this point? I mean, it's it's great for us because we have a core of the team is stays from uh, from from last year, so we don't have to review our set offenses and all of that. It's kind of kind of same, you know, the the Queen system. So we are trying to play a little bit more five on five on practices. That was the case on on the last year. So I think that we are in, in pretty pretty good shape to start with, uh, with the season right away. All right, last question, David Locke. David Locke, do you hear me? Boyan, oh. yeah. there's been a rise of players that are, you know, taking eight, nine, ten threes a game. They all happen to be Duncan Robinson, six, seven, Davis Breton, six, nine. Do you think and do you think you can get to the point where you're suddenly getting off eight, nine, ten threes a game? I had a career high last last season taking seven and a half or eight threes per game, and Queen is kinda trying to force me to shoot even more because we are really we were kind of, I think, first best best percentage three point shot team in a, in the league. So he's trying to encourage us to to shoot it more. So I hope that that this season I will I'll try to try to shoot more, especially in early on uh, on offense. So yeah, I'll I'll try to I'll try to shoot more even. There's Boyan Bogdanovich with the media. So now. What will happen with the Jazz? How will they split up the minutes? When will Rudy Gobert's contract be done? Many things to discuss with the Jazz, and it's really going to ramp up here as they start with the preseason game Saturday, and then they got their opener on the 23rd and the home opener on the 26th. All right, next up, how about a little BYU football? Let's check in with Bracken L. Bakery as he meets with the media after the loss to Coastal Carolina, preparing now for the senior night game with San Diego State. Here's Bracken L. Bakery. Hey, Bracken. Your guy that always gives it to us you know straight and I got to ask what it was like for you guys as a defensive line to play in that game last week and just you know have those long drives where it was so tough to get off the field yeah I mean that that's unfortunate that's not what you want as a defense especially a defensive line that's not how you want uh you we want to stay on our side of the chains and, and we never made them uncomfortable uh we never got them off schedule um, there, there were very few like big plays that that was like, oh my gosh, they just they just took a chunk. But, but yeah, it's it's not a situation you want to be in. Uh, it's kind of uh, definitely a little bit frustrating, uh, especially from a defensive line standpoint. What do you have to do? Because a few teams, and I've talked to a couple of other guys, but from your view as a defensive lineman, what's the key to avoiding those long drives that you guys have given up at a couple a couple points this year? Yeah, so uh, first to answer your question, uh, when you're out fly fishing and you see a fish rise, uh, my, my uncle always says, one rise does not a hatch make, you know? Sometimes you can think like, oh, there's, you just saw a rise, so you're like, oh, there's the hatch going on, and, and there's not. So, and it's the same, it's the same here. Uh, one, one game does not, a, does not a D-line make or break, fortunately and unfortunately. So we're not panicking. We're not like, oh, my gosh, what do we got to do? We've gotten out of drives like that many, many times. Uh, together and we did it on Saturday. 
catch. Yeah, Bracken, this could potentially be your final game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Just kind of give us some of your thoughts on just how the ride has been for you at BYU. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, that's been a big thing I've been thinking about this whole week because, you know, I'm, I've been thinking a lot about whether I, whether I should move on or come back or whatever. So it's been on the forefront of my mind and I've had so many good, so many good times with my friends in the stadium. And that's what, when you think about your, your seasons and your time as a football player, what you think about is the people around you and your teammates. It's you, you rarely do you think and your family too. Um, rarely do you think about like the games itself or the plays, but I remember the, like the USC, when we beat USC and Lavelle Edwards last year there, uh, my pops was right there on the, on the sideline when, when we came off and it's like, you know, there's memories like that you that you're never going to forget. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely found a, found a soft spot on the fleshy tables of the heart to quote Paul, St. Paul, actually, I guess he it doesn't need a saying there, but apparently you've been taking gospel doctrine classes recently or some sort. Hey, you know what? I'm rereading the new Testament before okay. Christmas. Fair enough. I also wanted to ask you San Diego state this week, you guys lost him in a low scoring affair last year. I'm sure you guys would like to pay the favor back this year, but what do you see from them on film? that's different from a year ago. Yeah, so we definitely want to we definitely want to have a little bit of revenge there, uh, and that's something we've been exacting this whole year on teams that we've played before. So that's that's nothing new, um, but I wouldn't say it's like a, that's not the only. I mean, we're playing football to play football, and we we watch film not because we're like, oh, what are, what are they doing this year that's different, so we can take advantage of them. We're just we watch film because we want to see what they do. Uh, we know learn their percentages. They they run twelve personnel eighty percent eighty something percent of the time, uh, which is similar to last year so uh, i didn't play in the game last year so i couldn't tell you that i have some huge vendetta but i'm I'm excited to to get out there with my friends and have a good time with them and then i probably should have followed that up have you uh, been given the option to come back if you want to next year what what is kind of your thought process on all of this yeah that's that's a hard question and like i said it's on the forefront of the mind talk with my family people i respect and, and just trying to figure out what to do but uh yeah the option's there um, and, and just trying to figure out if it's the best thing for my family and for, for me and my wife moving forward and, and what we want versus what we can have. And so, yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you. Will you pursue the NFL whenever you, you decide you're done here at BYU? Yeah, I'd love to. I, I absolutely would love to. And, and I realize it's a hard thing. My older brother gave it a go, and I can see firsthand how hard it, how hard it is. He's one of the best players to come through here. So, so I, I recognize it's hard, but yeah, I would, I'd love to give that my shot as well. Another question from Jared. I'm curious along the same lines, Bracken, because your brother didn't have the same type of choice you have this year, just because mm-hmm. of the circumstances and the situation. What has he said as you've discussed, you know, kind of this unique op- opportunity that you and, and the other seniors have? Yeah, so, uh, Braden's take on it is obviously he wishes if he could have this opportunity, he would have loved to take it. And and his advice is to take it because he's only been out of the game for a few years and he just longs for it. So that that's that's his 10 cents if that's what you're wondering. But I think a lot of seniors in my situation are, are looking at it and they're thinking they're getting advice from from everyone they can. And the advice from Braden was was just that. And people I've talked to who have who have moved on, they, they long for the game. It's something that you'll miss, you know, and it's just it becomes part of you. I've been playing this game since I was seven years old or something. You know, it's, it's weird, like kind of 
you build this identity, it becomes part of you and, and you don't ever want to lose it. There's Bracken L. Bakri. All right, DJ and PK, stay with us. More on the way right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Time now to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? We're doing all right. I suspect that there are some uh, BYU football fans who are still not all the way back. It's, uh, you know, it was, it was a dream season and you're undefeated. And the fact is, when you get eight, nine, ten games deep into a dream season, more often than not, it will fall apart. There are far more teams that get to 8-0 and lose than there are that finish the season undefeated. There's usually a, a bitter loss out there somewhere. And for longtime BYU fans, they can probably go back to a season, more likely than not in their childhood, but not necessarily, and say, ah, oh, I, I remember 2001 starting 12-0 and and then it fell apart. And for somebody else, it's a season you know, under Lavelle back in the late 70s mm-hmm. or 80s. Uh, so I'm curious... When you play the game, sometimes it gives you a different perspective. What are you thinking after the first loss of the year? Yeah, uh, I guess to start, a lot of the first losses of the year were within like the first two games for me. Uh, so to even think about right what it would be like to be eight and zero, nine and zero, right, it, it is a bit difficult. But that's that's really what you work for, um, and. You know, I think to go and to do what they've what they've been able to do this entire season is, has been extremely impressive. Um, uh, I think they've built up enough, right? Like we said over the last eight nine weeks, they they've built up enough hype, uh, and you know, uh, from a lot of different people and a lot of different resources that show that they are still right, even with one loss to a very good Coastal Carolina team an extremely good football team. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a lot. Uh, there's still a lot to look at and say, hey, this is still one of the best seasons that we've had in a very long time. And this is quite possibly one of the best uh, teams we've had in a long time. So uh, I, I wish I had as many wins as these guys did. In this ball game the other day, they had some critical drop passes. As a receiver, could you pinpoint – what are some of the reasons why passes are dropped? Yeah, I, I, a lot of that goes right to focus um, and the mental side of it. And uh, There were a good amount of balls on the ground, more balls than we've seen all season on the ground. And so uh, I think a lot has to do with the coverage. These guys uh, played a lot tighter. Um, they, you know, uh, the defensive backs were a little bit more athletic than, than what we've seen in the last, the last couple games and so uh, you know when it comes to games like this where it is high situation and you start to feel the the pressure of everybody else around you it's kind of difficult to stay 
uh, to stay as locked in. Um, but, you know, if this was happening throughout the season, you could sit here and say, well, you know, the receivers just aren't very good or, right, what you expect at the high-pressure situation, these guys aren't coming through. You know, uh, I think Saturday's game was just one of those things where it, it wasn't the best game of the season. And unfortunately, when you're 8-0 and you don't have the best game of the season as a receiver, then you uh, – and it's a loss, right? It, it feels a little different than just being 9-0 and having over 100 yards and no drops, right? So of all the things that happened in the game, when you play woulda, coulda, shoulda, what's the one that really sticks with you? You'd like to go back and uh, and change it. Uh, I mean, I, based off that last question, I, I, I would say the drop balls. Right? There, there were a lot of plays that were kind of left on the field because of the drops um, on critical critical downs. Uh, one thing that you need to be able to do is is to be able to convert, and and that's through catching the ball. So if there was one thing that I think could have been done, I always go first to the receivers, and and that's uh, making sure that there's you know maybe not even three drop balls, but just if there's just one drop ball. If we take away two drops, we're in a lot better position throughout the entire game uh, to to get a get a win instead of right being the situation there in today with the loss. What did you think of that Coastal Carolina play on Zach Wilson after he threw the interception the end of the first half? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a very – I think that's kind of the story of the year, right, in terms of that, that kind of sums up BYU's 2020, which is a very, very good thing, um, is people are after you, people are out to get you, um, and, you know – uh, was any of it okay? No, absolutely not. That was some of the most ridiculous football I've ever seen in my entire life. If you feel that you need to do that, uh, and as people watch that, if that looked like, you know, oh, yes, that's what needs to be done, right, then uh, you're you're going to the extreme to try and take someone out, right? Let, let your play talk. Don't, you know, let the cheap shots of, <laughs> the cheap shots of a game and trying to get someone injured, uh, don't let that be the way you win. So, uh, I mean, you saw the guys come out. I know there's a lot of talk about, well, did you know? Did they do a good enough job defending him? Did they come out and get him? And when you have your entire team from the offensive line to the linebackers to the receivers to the DBs, right, trying to come and protect your quarterback, uh, that says a lot about the QB. And, and to have the entire team's trust and the entire team's, um, you know, belief that, that you're – a special, a special player, uh, then that kind of signals that hey, you've 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 done a lot right. When you have people coming after you like Zach Wilson had on Saturday, you've you've done enough right. When you have as many people as there were Saturday night after that loss that were saying, finally, right, finally BYU is lost. Finally, we have this. We don't have to start, keep hearing about BYU, right? It was like Christmas morning for ninety percent of the country because they didn't have to hear about BYU anymore, which. Right, I think that all that does is show this team was was unbelievable and is unbelievable. And you know, Sunday dropped in the rankings, and Monday we saw three or four guys that ended up on national award watch list semifinalists. Right, with Dax as a Bolitnikov and two for Zach and one for Jake Oldroyd. I mean, a loss is a loss, but this this team is still 
it's still worth uh, being top 15 out of 130 teams in the country. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, joining us. So you worried about a letdown against San Diego State after uh, such a high and then such a crashing low? No, not at all. Definitive. That's a short answer right Definitive. there. Definitive. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I got to admit, though, Dylan, I am a little bit. I, I'm, I find it fascinating I mean, it's college style, and colleagues are definitive. But I, but I find it fascinating that you have zero concern about that. Yeah. Uh, if, if we go back and we look at the big mistakes that these guys have made throughout their entire careers, right? Uh, a huge tell of that would be Zach Wilson at Boise State, Right. Zach should have been haunted by Boise State being at Albertson Stadium. He went in there and it was like that first game his freshman season never even happened, right? Uh, you look at, you know, Dax. Dax early on in his career, his freshman year, right? Dax probably would have played uh, a majority of the season as, you know, which he did, right? But even more so his freshman year, if he didn't have so many mental lapses his, his uh, late in the season because of one drop, right? It was like he had one drop his freshman year. Table started to turn, started to feel the pressure, right? Now to see him in his junior year where, you know, the kid is a top five receiver in the country all around, right? Uh, it just shows that all of these guys are in a position to where – they can overcome something bad that's happened. They're a lot mentally they're they're way mentally tougher than the the teams of the teams of old, right? In the last five, six years of BYU. Um, so I'm actually, you know, uh, that that's probably why I'm so definitive is because I've seen the downs and I've seen how they bounce back. Uh, I've seen how Kalani's led teams to come back in these types of situations, and you know. Uh, it's, it's a much different feel than it ever ever has been before. So why is this team uh, mentally tougher? Is it the defeats they've gone through? Is it just kind of the natural evolution of so many key players being in their third year in the program? Is it something else? Yeah, no, I think I think it's that natural evolution of the, the key players being in the program and, and the relationships that are built and the comfort that's around them. This team knows they're phenomenal, right? This team knows they're very good. And unfortunately, they let one get away because Coastal Carolina was extremely good. Uh, and so we're not talking about a team that lost. It, it wasn't like, hey, you know, uh, let's get Coastal Carolina on the schedule for December 19th, right? And then go into San Diego State and get, and get beat by San Diego State in the last second. This was, hey, let's go in and play a top 25 team at their house with two days' notice. And then, you know, then we go play a very, in my opinion, this season, I've played San Diego State. Uh, I played them every single year while I was at Hawaii. Uh, so I'm very familiar with San Diego State. You know, now we're saying, hey, let's play a top 25 team that's now in the top 15 because they deserve to be. We lose on the last play of the game. We didn't play our best game. Now let's go play a very subpar version of San Diego State football. And let's go put it to them and do what we've done all season. 
So I think I think that's a huge a huge aspect of it. Do you think that Zach Wilson comes back or goes to the NFL after this season? Uh, I uh, I think you have to go to the NFL. Not in terms of the risk that you know the senior year brings. More so, you're about to get paid. And as much as you love BYU and are grateful for BYU, the entire reason you play college football is to go play in the NFL. So I, I think you have to go. Well, Dylan, for all the stuff that happened, I'm still not over the fact how tight you are with Ian Book. And then I looked it up. <laughs> that high school is cranking out people left and right. They got a 49er tight end. They got an offensive coordinator. They got an NBA first-round draft pick. What is in the water at El Dorado? <laughs> Listen, we it, it's it's been uh, you you talk about a place that is very tight knit. Uh, it's a very small town. We've got, you know, one high school in every single town, uh, in the Sacramento area generally. And, you know, El Dorado Hills has done a phenomenal job of, of getting athletes in and out. We've had very, uh, the administration, right. The coaches have been very constant. We haven't had a lot of turnover. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, but we, have struggled to win state titles, but we have put out a lot of professional athletes. So that's uh, something that, that we're proud of. Well, Dylan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for stopping by. We will talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. There is Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver, joining us every week here to talk Cougar football as BYU gets ready for San Diego State on Saturday. The Utes are getting ready for Colorado on Friday night, and Kyle Whittingham, coach of the Utes, coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Kyle Whittingham with his final media availability before... The Utes take on the Colorado Buffaloes Saturday. Now, it's the final scheduled game. There is another game after that. Who might the Utes play? I think there's a, you know, there was, when the schedule came out and everyone was hoping to play all the games, they wanted crossover games. That was what the plan was going to be. But now that we've gotten there and there have been so many division games lost, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a couple division games rescheduled as opposed to crossover games. Limiting travel, that kind of stuff. It doesn't look like the California teams can be home, so they'll all need to be sent out on the road. So all of that will have to be worked out. Kyle gets asked about that, and also the workload for Ty Jordan, who had 27 carries, which seems like a lot. Uh, here's Kyle Winningham with the media. What are the big things you guys are going to be working on as you guys are leading up for Colorado within the offense? I mean, is it a lot of the short short yardage stuff or what what are some of the things you want to work on heading into Colorado yeah you always want to address the deficiencies that you had in the, in the prior game and, and things you're not doing well and so that'll be a, a point of emphasis uh, some weeks are points of emphasis or the points of emphasis remain the same no matter what you know we pay attention to ball security red zone uh, 
you know, certain things every week, regardless of what transpired in the game. But but this past game, obviously, uh, short yardage was a, was a problem for him in an offense. Being able to to uh, run time off the clock uh, at the end of the game was was an issue for us. Red zone, also, we, as we've talked about, uh, was was a problematic defensively address the penalties you know we had uh, several penalties that uh, hurt us particularly on the one drive and so just reinforcing uh, fundamentals techniques what you can do what you can't do and and yeah to answer your question we we do that pretty much every week we have a standard set of things we work on from week to week to week the core the core things that you do within the offense and defense and then uh, anything that that uh happened in the prior game that was not at the par. You put special emphasis on that as well. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, followed by Patrick Kinahan. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, Nate Ritchie was just on here, and and he said that the energy in the building this week has been a little higher coming off the win. Um, would you agree that the energy has been a little better, a little higher? Yeah, and I don't think we've ever had bad energy or, or a lack of energy, but right. it's, always, it's always a... a a better environment and a better feel when you've won and uh but you know win or lose by tuesday or wednesday you got to be back to, to well by tuesday really you got to be back to uh full go and and ready to attack the next opponent because you can't let a loss linger and affect you for the next week but mondays mondays are really the day that uh is uh either a little more upbeat or not depending on what's happened uh, the prior game but like i said by tuesday you better all be in the right frame of mind and, and ready to rule Next, we'll go to Patrick Kinahan, followed by Ryan Kosteka, SI.com. With Ty Jordan asserting himself as the lead back, what is the uh, amount of optimum carries that you would like to see a lead back have, particularly as a freshman? Yeah, I believe he was at the very top of his workload in this past game. That was a lot of a lot of uh, carries that he had, 27 carries and uh, a catch or two. And so that would be about maxed out and, and maybe even a little bit too much for a, for a freshman, although he's, uh, you know, he's very uh, sturdy and, and durable. You know, he's proven to be that at least so far. But uh, I think that was a little bit too much of a workload. We've got to temper that a little bit and uh, cut off, you know, somewhere in the, I guess if you want a number, 20 to 25 touches is probably better than uh, the 25 to 30 that he had uh, last week and and that allows to spread the ball around a little bit more to some of the other guys we'll go next to ryan costeca si.com followed by josh furlong ksl.com hey coach obviously nothing's normal with the pandemic and everything but usually at this point of the year you're kind of looking ahead you know the pac-12 championship game and that kind of stuff now you're going against a Colorado team where you're maybe the underdog does that change your mindset and how do you kind of get the guys ready for that well, it has been a strange year and, and nothing is normal this year, which has been a challenge and a challenge for everyone in the country. And so we're just taking them one at a time, just like we do uh, every year. You know, we never get ahead of ourselves and, and look past any opponent. Uh, Colorado is a good football team. They're 4-0. They're 4-0 for a reason. It's just not happenstance. And they've, they've played good football and, and they got a lot of uh, good things going for them. So that's our entire focus. We don't even know who we play after that, literally. You know, we don't we can't look past Colorado because we don't know what, what the next uh, opponent or who the next opponent is going to be. And so all our attention, efforts, and energy is, is on the Buffaloes. 
and uh, that is the sense of urgency is increased week, which we do this week. So everything's happening at, a, at an accelerated pace, and our guys are doing a great job so far. Yesterday we got back on the field and had an outstanding practice. And that's not always the easiest thing to do two days after a game because that's not typical. Typically, two days after a game, you're you're in the film room and in the weight room, and and then uh, you're not back on the field till Tuesday. So they did a great job of uh, of handling that yesterday. We'll go to Josh Furlong, followed by Trevor Allen. Yeah, obviously, you want to win every single game, and, and this year's no different. Uh, but now that you're halfway through this this crazy schedule of of you know the ups and downs with COVID and everything, does this does this season feel any different in terms of being able to to look at it as you know maybe a, a preparation for 2021, or or is this just like really nice game reps that that give you that that opportunity to be better next year? How, how do you view it now that you're you're a little more than halfway through it now? Yeah, I'd say all the above. Uh, it's been great to to uh, be able to get on the field. There was a period of time we didn't know if we were going to have a season, and and to be able to get games in and play and get get uh, reps for uh, for our new guys has been invaluable. And I don't know if we look at it completely as like a, just a prep and a prelude into next year because. Obviously, it, it, it has value. You're, you're playing for to try to get into the conference championship and, and a bowl game, although those seem to be evaporating uh, every day. But but uh, the bowl games, that is. I guess we lost another one yesterday. But but uh, it is different. But just to say that uh, it's like a spring ball with a scrimmage against another team every week, <laughs> getting ready for next year, that's not that's not the case. But it, it certainly is a different feel and a, and a different uh, – just a whole different uh, environment and, and uh, set of circumstances than than has ever before uh, happened. You know, it's all uncharted territory. Next up, Trevor Allen, followed by Josh Newman. Talking about the Buffs, uh, their their back had had a. Uh, 301 yards uh, in, in their game last week. And then their, their quarterback is a former safety and, you know, also played quarterback. So he, he's able to take some hits a little bit more and, and can run. How, how do you kind of prep for a quarterback like that? And, that, and also who also has a, a back who can, who can get loose? Yeah, they're, they got a lot going for them. Uh, the Buffaloes do particularly on offense. And you're right. The quarterback uh, did play safety last year, although he was a quarterback prior to that. So, uh, but he's a tough guy. He's a very capable uh, runner, which always presents a problem for for a defensive coordinator. They have a strong rushing attack with with the running back, and he's uh, leading. I'm pretty sure he's leading the conference uh, in rushing. And so we've got our work cut out for us. And and every week is essentially almost every week is essentially the same uh, mo and starting point for our game plan is to try to figure out how we're going to stop the run how to turn a team one-dimensional force them to throw and then try to get after the quarterback once you've accomplished that so so that hasn't changed uh, this week is is uh, the same as most every week there's obviously exceptions like i said you play a mike leach team that's it's a whole different approach you know you're the run is uh, secondary and, and you're just trying to figure out how to stop the throw game but but uh, we're taking our same approach and and uh, trying to replicate their offense as best we can in practice. Uh, our scout guys do a great job of, of uh, replicating the uh, opposing offense, and and you can't always find a great fit for for the guys you're playing. There's not always a guy in your program that that can uh, do a great job emulating somebody that you're going to play. Sometimes it's it's just doing the best you can do to to get the best look you can. But but uh, we have our usual approach this week, and hopefully it's uh, it's going to be good enough. We'll go back to Josh Newman, followed by Patrick Kinahan. 
Kyle, I understand that you're in the middle of a season still, but ha- have you given any thought to uh, what you would like to see the spring calendar look like? Obviously, 2020, you lost like three quarters of spring practice. Who knows what the world's going to look like in March and April? Have you given any thought to what you would like that to be? Yeah, we'd like it to be perfectly normal and, and you know, <laughs> get, get uh, back to the routine that we've been used to for 30 years or whatever. And, and uh we know it's not going to be completely normal, at least at first, because recruiting. And that's already been uh, determined that there won't be any uh, off-campus or on-campus recruiting going on until I think April 15th was the date. And so that's going to be different. You know, the coaches, as soon as the season's over, typically we're packing our bags and hitting the road and and uh, going around the country recruiting these kids and making visits. Uh, that won't be happening. And so the, the next thing after recruiting is spring ball. So we're hoping that spring ball can have a return to normalcy and and uh, get our 15 practices in, our spring game and everything that that uh, usually goes on. So that would be ideal if we can get back to to uh, the routine. Just a quick follow-up. In, you know, in terms of getting back to normalcy, it is December. Um, have any of your older guys, your third, fourth-year guys, obviously with the eligibility clock frozen, have any of those guys – express to you what their future plans might be in terms of coming back or even leaving? No, we've uh, not had any of those conversations. We will. Those conversations will take place, and I'm sure we'll have some guys that that uh, decide that maybe uh, they're done and, and uh, call it a career. And if not, if everyone comes back, great. Uh, some guys will test the NFL waters and and uh, get get the evaluation, the underclassmen, and see, see where they stand and make those decisions uh, based on you know, an educated uh, situation and, and uh, getting the input from the right people. But uh, none of that has transpired yet. And, uh, you know, there's going to be changes uh, in the transfer rule, most likely coming up, which will put a different spin on thing. Uh, another spin, the, the portal a couple of years ago put a different spin on things. And now it's going to become even more, uh, there'll probably be more change and, and uh, movement that uh, is going to occur at least uh, that's that's the way it seems to be heading so so we'll see what happens but uh, you just got to adjust as things change and uh, try to get yourself in the best situation we'll go back to patrick kinahan followed by ryan costeca hey, you speak of how you don't know the opponent beyond colorado has the conference given you any indication as to when you will know what the when the who the opponent is i should say well, I think uh, according to uh, our administration, we might know as early as uh, Saturday night, this coming Saturday night, at the latest, hopefully Sunday, because we got to start getting ready for somebody. But uh, as coaches, we don't pay any attention to that because we don't care at this point. It's all it's all Colorado, and we can't can't look past that, even if we knew who the opponent was. But but once this game's over with, uh, the sooner we know, the better, obviously. And uh, I suspect and hope that we'll all know by. Uh, no later than Sunday morning, but we'll see. Next up, Ryan Costeca, followed by Steve Bartle. You know, typically during a normal season, getting bowl eligible is huge because you get all those extra practices. Is that kind of the same thought process for you guys, you know, going into bowl season this year, potentially? Well, we'd love to become bowl eligible. That's uh, that's something that uh, is always going to be uh, part of our goals and, and what we want to accomplish now the amount of practice time you're going to have to to prepare for bowl is going to be dramatically less than usual I mean, here we are already at the what, 8th of December and we won't finish the regular season until 
19th of December, which everything's compressed. And so to say that uh, you're going to get an extra month of practice like you usually would in a bowl scenario, that's not going to be the case. Also, there's far less bowls, so there's going to be fewer fewer teams to get that opportunity. And so we're just uh, taking it one week at a time, like I said. But, yeah, we do hope to become uh, in a bowl situation, but we'll just have to see uh, what happens. And meanwhile, we've got to take care of our business uh, along the way. Steve Bartle, Morning, Coach. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the recruiting process this year with, with the, the loss of visits and evaluation periods. How difficult has that been? And then, conversely, how, how good do you feel about your class at the moment? Okay, well, first of all, we feel great about our class. And uh, we think that we've put together another outstanding group of young men and, and hope to get them all signed in uh, – eight days now, a week from tomorrow. And uh, you know, we're still gonna have a couple left over and with the with the movement that uh, will most likely take place that I already talked about, you, always, you wanna have a couple in your pocket to uh, address needs and, and things that arise. But uh, the, the real uh, casualties, I guess you could say, are the guys that really feel sorry for the, are the players, you know, the recruits themselves. They, they've had to make these decisions without having a chance to go through the recruiting process and, and take visits to the various campuses and check things out firsthand. And so those guys are the guys that have really uh, taken the brunt of the of the, uh, of the the downside of the whole thing and, and uh, feel bad for them. And who knows what's gonna happen in the 22 class with, with uh, the way it's set up and everything being frozen this year and the seniors not counting next year and your 85 number and, and nobody really advancing, well, not, you know, nobody is advancing a year of eligibility. And so there's going to be a log jam next year as, as things are set right now for the 22 class, as far as scholarships for the new guys, because you're going to already be at 85 because nobody advanced. And, and uh, so unless they have a solution different than what they're talking about now, the 22 class is going to be impacted in a, in a major way differently than this class, because hopefully they'll be able to take visits and so forth, but, but just the available scholarships are not going to be there. And so everything's been thrown out of whack. I don't know if there was a, a, a perfect answer or a great way to handle it. I think everyone's handling it the best they can uh, from a NC2A administrative standpoint, but, but uh, it's certainly different. But back to your original question, we love our class and uh, it's too bad these guys, uh, the entire class of 21 wasn't able to go through the recruiting process because that's kind of a reward for uh, for all the hard work that you put in throughout your whole, your whole career as a, as a player and having the chance to get... Uh, you know, wine and dine by these colleges and, and be able to uh, take your family to uh, visit campuses. And they didn't get to do that. So I feel bad for them. And then, and then just a, a quick follow-up, kind of switching gears a little bit. I wanted to ask you about Monte Davis. He made an incredible play, you know, Saturday night, uh, dropping into coverage on that interception. How, uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on his improvement this year? He's one of the most improved players on the team, and uh, it's been a very, uh, you know, big deal for us on defense to have him play at the level he has, because he was somewhat of an unknown commodity and uh, unknown entity, I guess you could say. And we, you know, he didn't get a lot of playing time in the past few years that he's been here because of the guys that have been in front of him. But he's done a great job of, of uh, working in the off season. He added weight to his frame. He's done a great job of uh, being a student of the game and studying tape. And his play has been a big bonus for us and a big plus because, like I said, we were a little bit uh, 
in the dark as far as how he was going to react when he was going to be the guy. And so couldn't be more pleased with what he's done so far. Our final question will come from Josh Newman. Kyle, just back to the, you know, the mystery opponent on the 19th. Uh, you guys probably would have hosted Washington if there wasn't, you know, a TV issue with the holiday. Has there been any indication that, that this game on the 19th, you would get that home game? No indication whatsoever. Like I said, I haven't paid one bit of attention to it. Uh, I'm thankful that my AD has not pestered me with it because I wouldn't listen to him anyway right now because we got we got laser focus on the Buffaloes. And so, uh, no, I don't, you know, whatever happens next week happens and, and we don't really care if we're home, away, where we play, who we play. Just just uh, tell us what the situation is and we'll, we'll uh, act, react accordingly. There's Kyle Whittingham with the media. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.